Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck sticks? What the philosophers? You know who came up with that one? Danny LaBelle came up with that one. Danny LaBelle has a podcast called Modern Philosophers, I believe is the name of that podcast. I am on it and I saw him plug me. You know, okay, you, uh, what the philosophers? I liked it. So, uh, what's going on? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. I hope you're doing all right. Are you all right? I am in New York right now. I will tell you that. Um, though I'm not recording this in New York. Huh? How do you like that? I'm tr- I am I am uh uh what is it uh, astral projecting right now back to the garage from New York. Today on the show is uh the singer songwriter. I'd like to call him a folk singer because I think he is a folk singer. Langhorn Slim is on the show. Langhorn Slim and I go back a ways. Back in the day when I hosted a show on uh, Air America Radio uh to avoid politics, I used to have entertainers on and and whatnot, and Langhorn must have been 12 years old. I, that's, that's how I see it. What was that, like eight, nine, maybe almost 10 years ago? Uh, Langhorn came on. I think he had his one record out, and he was a character then, but now we are eight to 10 years wiser. Uh, I am 50. I'm not sure how old he is. I believe I, I talked to him about it. 50 years old. I am wiser. But uh, he's an earnest cat that sings uh, heartfelt tunes. I think that's the key to it, isn't it? That's the key to folk song. That's the key to art in general. That's the key to it all. Being an authentic motherfucker with an earnest approach and putting your heart in it. 50 years old I am. I'm starting to realize I may have some wisdom. I may have some. I'm not tooting my own horn, but I, I may have some. I'm starting to integrate the many different facets of my personality, quite consciously, I believe. Uh, I could explain that to you. I'm not going to become a folk singer. Though I think I'm, I, I could uh, lay out a couple of numbers. I could. I have a valentine. I have a valentine in my life. All right? I have a, an excited heart right now. And that's part of the reason why I'm trying to integrate the, uh, the facets of my personality. I'm a 50-year-old man. I'm relatively grounded at this point in my life. I know I have some wisdom. I know something has got me through these 50 years. I know I've I've worn not so many different masks, but in a in a in as a means to adapt and survive with a fragile sense of self, I think I manifested some personality dispositions. I'm not saying they weren't true to me, but the, you know, when you talk about authenticity, what are you getting at? What are you getting at? You know, what's your delivery system? Everybody's got a heart, everyone's got a soul, if you believe in the soul thing and you're understanding the metaphor for heart, obviously we have hearts or organs that uh that uh, keep everything going but on you know on the poetic level heart and soul i think everyone's got it you may have limited access but what are you pushing it through man what are you pushing it through what part of you is pushing it out there can you be just raw and real all the time i think i can but it's very painful sometimes very painful and you might not want to do that you know naturally your brain's not going to want to do that hey dude you know that's getting a little heavy Maybe it's time for the uh, to put on your cowboy hat and not take any shit. You know, or maybe it's time to, uh, hey, you got your asshole pants? Because now it's time to put on the asshole pants because somebody just hurt your little heart and soul machine. Or maybe you're excited. 
Oh, and your heart and soul are soaring. Perhaps it's time to wear the, the poet hat. So you got the cowboy hat, you got the asshole pants, you got the poet scarf. Let's make it a poet scarf, and then you got your kid shoes. That's what I decided just now. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that if I've got a kid and I've got a cowboy and I've got an asshole and I've got a poet, I know what they've yielded. I know I know when the cowboy's done bad shit. I know when the asshole's done bad shit. And I know when the poet has, uh, has gotten too sad. And I know when the kid's gotten into trouble. So if I can limit that activity by these different facets of my personality and choose to, uh, to integrate them all into the 50-year-old vessel that I'm carrying now, then we got a complete fucking bit of business there. No fraudulent uh, elements, all integrated. Because if those characters have gotten, through, gotten me through large chunks of my life, they are necessity. They are a survival team. There's no reason we all can't uh, hang out at the same time. Boy, when I thought of this shit, I thought it was a fucking breakthrough, man. I thought it was a breakthrough, you know? Because sometimes the kid in me needs something, uh, you know, some support that's not necessarily anybody's job but my own. And then I got these three other men in my vessel that can maybe help me raise this kid. I got a cowboy, I got an asshole, and I got a poet. Those seem like good daddies. You know, if you take the good parts about them, sometimes you got to be an asshole. Sometimes you got to be an asshole to the kid inside of you because that kid's... You know, got to grow the fuck up. Pow! Look out, I just shit my pants. But I can honestly say that I am speaking as Mark Marin right now because I am currently integrating the kid, the cowboy, the asshole, and the poet. We are, we are a team. We are not separate. We are a team. Do you understand me? Huh? Do you? My mother sent me her living will. It's, a, it's an awkward moment. It's not an awkward moment. It's a reasonable thing. It's a smart thing to do. And uh, But, you know, the, there was, uh, you know, she sent me the living will and, and she named my brother the surrogate and me the, the second choice. I, I was named the second choice to, to put my mother out of her misery if she no longer knew she was in misery. My brother's the first one. My brother is the, des- the designated plug puller I'm second if my brothers can't can't do it. I, I don't know how to take that. I mean, why why am I not the why am I not the go-to plug puller for my mommy? Why why in the in the moment where she no longer is capable of making decisions and is uh, is gone from all practical purposes and and on her deathbed, did she decide in that moment like I want Craig to do it? I don't want Mark to do this. Is it because I'm I'm too heavy-hearted? She didn't want to put me through it. Is it because that perhaps she thought she thought like, well, I don't know, Mark w- might want to string this along a little bit because he loves me so much. Hmm. Or maybe she just doesn't uh, doesn't think I've I've got the the the, the muster for it. I'm not gonna get jealous of my brother. It's not one of those things like you know why do you get to pull mommy's plug and I don't. But you know it did make me ask what was that decision. Maybe maybe she's giving me something else. Maybe 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 I, there's another gift where I'm first. I don't I don't get the the privilege of of putting her out of her misery. That's my brother's gig. I get you know what? Now that I talk about it out loud, I, I should just let it be. I should just let it be. Yeah, let, let my brother do it. It doesn't. It does not sound like a good responsibility to have. And this is sort of a morbid conversation, but I just want you to know that my selfish ass, when I first saw that I was second. I uh, was like, why, why, why? 
why why him and now that i talk about it out loud with you i realize uh that's fine with me okay all right let's uh let's talk to langhorn slim and uh listen to some music by him as well if that would be okay with you so the heartbreak man the heartbreak so what happened so you you love this girl and you're talking about the shit and uh, you just realize I can't follow through. Things are you know, going to work out. Not exactly. I feel like in my life I've been, I'm in constant, I'm constantly in and out of heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe. Heartache or heartbreak. Okay, good. Heartache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Heartache. Just a general heartache of like, man, things are tough all <laughs> over. No, it's, <laughs> ro- you know, more romantic, but a little bit of that. Yeah. Romantic. Um but with that, and I suppose I think if you're, if you have uh, extreme sides of your personality, then you're open to the great joys of the love, and then of course susceptible to the, um, the terrible lows and pains of it, right? Yeah, I just like it's not always clear to me what the, you know the great joys are. You know, I mean, are, are they fleeting? Well, Mm. You know, are they, you know, how long do they generally last? I would be able to identify them, right? It, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Are you, are you, have you been unable to identify any bits of joy? No, there's joy, but a lot of times, you know, when, when you're in a relationship and there's joy, it's because, you know, you're connected, you're locked sure. in, there are moments. Sure. You know, but, uh, you know, extended periods of joy, they're, they, they, uh, they frighten me, I think. Yeah, and I don't know that I've had extended periods of joy. Exactly. My mother told me, um, and she, I love her dearly. She's been divorced twice. I don't know if she's the one to go to for advice, but I do with yeah. like this stuff. And she's told me, um, you know, the, and and I've read scientific studies about this where yeah. you fall in love, and yeah. then there's about there's about a two year yeah. period where the endorphins are going crazy in your brain. Yeah, and so you get a boner when you just sit next to somebody sure. or if you're a guy and if yeah. you're a woman you have yeah. other right. uh, things that happen and then after that it's not that you don't get boners or excited anymore but it's not as it's not as easy to that tempered yeah it's tempered yeah, yeah. and so that the that the great hope is that you develop this friendship and this um, connection and partnership that yeah. you yeah. you know that you get on and that's a beautiful and romantic thing thought to me and i don't know i mean you said you're, you're too old to deal with it i don't think you get too old to deal with it no my, no i'm not too old to deal with that but i'm a little too old to deal with drama mm. you know what i mean i i i say bullshit because because you're never want, too yeah you don't want to man scream and yell and no nor do i and and i didn't when i was 15 mm-hmm. but you're probably a passionate man i'm a, I'm a passionate fella and if you're if you're passionate you're gonna, gonna scream and yell yeah but i don't think you should that's not like where that's not where it's at that's not like well if we're screaming and yelling then we really care i'm not interested in being miserable or yeah anxiety ridden I'm, I'm good at that on my own right not, not, that's a little dramatic yeah but no, you know what i mean know, i do know what you mean sure no it happens naturally it's how the brain works yeah now when so, i think i first when i think i, I first interviewed you back in the day way back when you were a young and <laughs> it's true a you, sprouting folk singer you got to me kind of first to be honest like, were, yeah i don't remember where we hooked up i think it's just like it was some unsolicited one of CD. my first yeah one of my first radio per like interviews yeah, yeah. was with you now on air america lives. yeah in 2000 and what uh, i'm bad six, with these years four, uh, five 
It was a long time ago, man. Nine years ago? Yeah, holy shit. You're like a kid. <laughs> yeah. And I did, so. when I remember listening to that first record, I'm like, what's this guy up to? Yeah. This is some old school shit. Yeah, old school shit for modern modern times. Well, I mean, the, well, I mean I, would you call what you do folk music? Seriously. Well, no, I'll be serious with you. I, I had read, I think it was... Um, I don't remember. Maybe Louis Armstrong. Maybe yeah. I'm, maybe I'm forgetting who said it. But that folk music is uh, well, it's just German for Volk, I guess. Yeah. So the people, so right. music for the people. So um, to be uh, hopefully unpretentious sounding, but to give you a real answer, if that is what folk music is, then that's certainly what I would. That's what I uh, would hope that we are are doing. Yeah. Um, but I um, think when I when I first met you, there was uh, you know I grew up with a certain. Uh, understanding of that stuff my dad was into like pete seeger and shit yeah, and it seemed like you know you know as i got you know went through dylan and arlo and all those cats yeah they you know there's definitely a, a vibe to that and you were definitely vibing that then right yes absolutely that you know dylan blew, i was listening to a lot of nirvana yeah uh, and then discovered bob dylan discovered right. harry smith folk and that and the, and all of that music kind of did for me the same thing the same time i heard like otis redding the same time I listened to um, Muddy Waters yeah. or Dylan or any of this kind of like what seemed very animalistic and just raw and real. That to me is folk music, punk, yeah. punk rock, folk music. I like get it's, it. I it's, get it. It's coming from a very raw, right? I, I hate to say it's not simple, but right. very like uh, emotionally raw, real place. And that I connect with that deeply right. in music in relationship that goes to the joys and the miseries perhaps of the relationships because that i want i want to feel right at all times well i think that like the what what i'm calling folk music is just like the idea of the guy with the guitar like you know, even somebody like billy bragg you know there's a lot yeah. of passion in it but it was music with purpose mm. and then there was sort of blues folk and they but there was definitely uh you know the folkies that were like you know they had a message yeah you know woody guthrie you know he was you know he had a oh, message sure. you know there was there was something political about the populism of what he was doing you right. know and i think billy bragg sort of comes from that 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 mode but like when i first saw in this like the new record's different but you still keep it pretty raw and pretty acoustic and pretty yeah. you know like you can tell that these are people playing instruments that's important yeah they these certainly are, are human beings yes indeed they are and but when i first met you i think you were just doing guitar weren't you when we first met it was just me yeah. i hadn't i hadn't found a band yet and you were just like kick you know jamming yeah plowing it out in brooklyn yeah somewhere. so did you see me play so how did you why did you invite me why did you invite I, me like because i think i literally got a cd and it's like langhorn swim that's a catchy name right and i put it on and i'm like this guy means business oh that's cool let's get him in here right on. <laughs> it, was, well, it was just like that and from my recollection my producer would probably know better but but it seems like that was a deal but where where'd you grow up Pennsylvania. I grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. What's that? Suburb of Philadelphia. Langhorn is the town that I'm from. Uh-huh. It's a small town. Are you gunning for you know, uh, local hero status? <laughs> Ab <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> when, you, when you came up with that name, you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to- It wasn't. When I, when I came up with it, it was more of a, what well, was a nod to like blues guys that I liked and more of like a rebellious kind of, I didn't- I didn't fit in here growing up, and I'm I'm heading to New York to follow my dream, and I'm taking the fucking name, and I'm gonna become a big stuff. It was more like that, and then I tacked Slim on because I wanted to be like a black gospel or blues singer. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm that still, didn't happen. Well, I'm a, I, I, I think I'm like a Jewish solely sort of singer. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're closer than, the Jews are closer to black. Than, you're, you're a Jewish than guy? I'm a Jewish guy, yeah. Me too. Bar mitzvah and the whole thing. Really? Yes, my friend. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what, 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 what do you come from? Like uh, outside of Philly, mm-hmm. like my family's from Jersey. Oh yeah. So, uh, so what kind of Jews you come from? What style? What style of uh, Semite? Um, what was your old man? What do you do? He he runs a liquor store. I grew up with my with my mother, my brother. Yeah. Uh, and we saw my dad on Sundays. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, we were. We were the kinds of Jews that celebrate the holidays, sure, and uh, said that we are Jewish for the tradition and for the family. So the kind of Jews that, like, I think real Jews are like, you're not mm-hmm. really Jewish. Well, yeah, those um, are really, really Jewish people. Those are like super Jews. Yeah, yeah. So we were after my brother and I were bar mitzvahed. I think yeah. my mom was she was I think she was cool with that, and I was like, all right, well, we'll let the boys kind of navigate their spiritual religious journey from own. here yeah and i yeah. haven't gone to synagogue i am proud to be to be jewish in the way yeah. i am um but i would say uh yeah yeah no you, i get it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the, the whole close. music thing kind of took became more of my religious um center did you ever listen to it like there's some good jewish like acoustic music did you ever listen to that klezmer stuff that's fun that's, i just I, I was at Amoeba Records in San Francisco because yeah. we played there last night, and I went and picked up a couple records there. And one was because I loved it. I'm, I'm not familiar with the guy. I looked through the Klezmer section, yeah. and it was just like Jewish Soul Man. Yeah, and I was like, "Fuck!" Is it an got, old record? Yeah, it's pretty. I think yeah. it's from like I mean, not super old, like 60s or 70s. But it's just a guy with his clarinet and it's like yeah. close up shot of this guy. Yeah, I love Klezmer music. It's pretty crazy, man. It's great dance music, man. It's, it's dance fun. music, yeah. and it jams. It jams. It's like uh, it's like that old Dixieland uh, the stuff from New Orleans or yeah. wherever. Like it's it, like when you listen to Louis Armstrong and those kind of and that kind of jazz and just how much orchestration is going. It's incredible. On, it's crazy. It hits me in a similar way. Like I love that Dixieland stuff, Klezmer, um, Cajun, like Zydeco stuff. Oh yeah, Clifton Chenier. Yeah, the, the some washboards and some accordions. Yeah, that to me is like, like some of the and bluegrass music, like old bluegrass is yeah. some great to me. Dance fiddle music is is beautiful dance music, and all that is now coming back around. Appalachian music. People are getting people are digging it, which is well, cool. it's interesting. You were a little ahead of the curve on that. Oh, now yeah. now there's an abundance of uh, you know moustached. Uh, gents with uh, arcane instruments, right? <laughs> you know, pl- playing earnestly. I don't know that I was ahead of any curve, but I definitely I, I felt connected to it. I feel like um, certain things that one is into aesthetic. I don't know. This may be fucking weird. Aesthetically, yeah. artistically, uh, musically is um, is somehow like born into you. So it's not an education necessarily that you study something and and become into it. It's somehow um, it acts. Something activates. Like something, I think I, something I is there, and then yeah, something activates it. Yeah. But, it but it's somehow there. Now, why that is, I, I haven't fully grasped. No, but, I I get it, man. I mean, you know, like, like why are some people just th- there's like nothing else to do other than some people. You just need to do this thing, right? You know, yeah. No it, matter if it, no matter when months or weeks or a year years go by and you're miserable doing it or you're loving doing it and wildly successful, but you need to do this. And are you one of those guys? Yeah, man. I have no. I've never had a backup plan, and I never. People compliment me, and I'm sure people like me by saying that that's somehow brave. Yeah. And I appreciate that when I hear it because I don't feel like that. It's just. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know what else to do with myself. Yeah, I, I'm the same way, man. I know. I and figured. How old are you? 
I'm 33. Well, yeah. So, but eventually, you'll get to a point where there will need there'll be nothing else you can can do. <laughs> but I felt like that at 15, which is the weird thing, and that's really? why I would get in trouble back then. And my parent, my my family, and people were worried about me because it was like, well, that's cute and it's awesome that you're like you seem passionate and into this, but it's like. Come on, kid. Yeah. Backup plans. Like, sure. You know, they meant it with love. Yes. Yeah, and also, they really, I had a ton of support by my family. So I don't mean to say that. But they it were scares like, them. Sure. And if I, I'm not a father, but I'm sure if I was, yeah, it, would, like, even, it would scare me. No, I feel like it would scare me yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah. Like, come on, kid. I mean, you know, I'm glad you have this hobby. Yeah. <laughs> or even this passion. But sure. it's like, because to me, I was just like, well, I'll be, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm in somewhere in the middle, but I was like, I'll be either a rich and famous musician or I'll be like a, broke homeless musician but i'm gonna be a musician it's like this so you is, got you got to the middle somewhere i'm i'm so i'm like floating around in the middle somewhere <laughs> so and that's a that's a cool spot so you got it's just you and your sister Did you mm. say or your brother <laughs> my brother you got older brother yeah he's a year and a half older what's he do he's a teacher at brooklyn tech so okay so you, you're both uh you're populist you're popular you're like uh you're folk guys we're folky guys yeah yeah, yeah. so when you grew up i mean what'd your mom do she did different things. She uh, she did, I think, real some real estate at one point. Oh, she yeah. she owned the Jenkintown Cheese Shop with Mrs. Galleon, which wasn't really a cheese shop; it was more of a deli. It's a, che- um, a cheese shop. Cheese shop. Okay. Yeah, Jenkintown, Pennsylvania. I yeah. think it's still there. It's definitely not the same. It can't be nearly as good as it was when she, Mrs. Galleon and my mom had. They it. had cheese. She they had some cheeses and it, like I said, some meats. Now that I'm a little older and I've been to cheese shops, yeah, it wasn't. I wouldn't. I don't think it could really pass as a cheese shop. It, it had so, some. It had like various cheese, but it didn't have. It wasn't like stocked. Full so these of was your. My mom did these things. Like, uh, she, like there's a, there's something. Sometimes women get to a point where they start getting entrepreneurial and they 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 open a boutique or they become a real estate. She did agent different things like that. Yeah. But her dream, I think, since she well, her dream, excuse me, since she was a kid was to be a singer, and she's a great singer. Yeah. Like recently, she got up and sang a song, a little duet with me in Philadelphia, which was one of the cooler moments that I oh, had. Oh, really? Stage. It was awesome. Re- what'd you sing? One of one of my songs, oh, but really? one, my favorite, her favorite of my songs, a song called "Diamonds and Gold." Uh huh. But um, she then also want, always wanted to become a lawyer. Uh huh. And so she became a lawyer, and uh, later in life, put herself through law school and wow. did the night school and all that shit. Yeah. And then became a divorce attorney, and as a woman that's been a sh- very strong but also sensitive soul, uh-huh. um, and one that's been divorced twice, uh-huh. becoming a divorce attorney. Uh, I don't know if it, if it's the greatest job in the whole wide world, right? For but she's got a heart. Know. You mean like that? Is she? She's got too much of a heart for it. Yeah, yeah. My I mom, think, my mom's got too much of a heart for real estate. Really? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> she just doesn't know how to do the hard sell. Yeah. Well, and I think that's my mom. That's my mom too. Like she wants to help, but mm-hmm. it's like there, there's you're kind of seeing people in their in their worst oh god stages it's horrible then. and 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 really quite frankly, divorce lawyers are dubious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you know everybody just wants to keep the thing going. Do you know what I mean? I do. It doesn't sound like a, a fun, and, and that's part of my that's part of my journey. I'm trying to, uh, like a young, like a young athlete. Yeah. I'm trying to raise in the ranks to buy my mother a house or something. Yeah. You know, get her out of that. Oh, really? So, okay, is yeah, she unhappy love, with it? She doesn't love it. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's not. She's not thrilled. With well, I it. hope you can buy her a house. I'd love to buy her a house. Where is she still in Pennsylvania? She's in Langhorne, the house that I was born and raised. Still. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, uh, so how, how old were you when your parents split? <clears throat> Two. Oh, so it was, it no was recollection a, of the of the activity of the, yeah, whatever it's, shit hit it's, the fan. Uh, 
been if, if there's any memory, it's been successfully suppressed. And you only saw the old man once a week. Yeah, yeah, Sundays. for most of your life. Yeah, and you got along with the guy. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. <clears throat> yeah. We uh. Yeah. You know what it was? Well, <laughs> I don't know what it was. Uh, he's he's a good guy and and uh, did the best that he, that he could. Um, I think. Yeah. And uh, and we had great grand, wonderful grand grandparents that when my parents split decided to get I guess very uh, instead of your father's folks si- yeah and my mother's oh, great. In- instead of taking sides yeah, and, yeah. and part parting yeah. ways and, and causing more oh so you BS. got the love over there so much love man so yeah. from Grandpa Jack and Grandpa Sid and Grandma, I had Grandpa May Jack. And, oh really oh and a Sid too that's yeah. good man oh so- was Jack a Jacob no Jack was a Jack Jack a Jack yeah, Jack yeah yeah so Jack and Sid are my two grandfathers yeah. who both fairly recently passed but they were just incredible incredible grandfathers and then uh, May and Ruth who are still Kicking? Still with us, yeah, man. That's great, man. Yeah. So, were the grandparents like, uh, were they wise old souls? Kind of, you know, did they dig what you were doing? When did you start playing guitar? Uh, I think when I was about thirteen or fourteen. Uh-huh. But yeah, all wise old souls and all that um, were extremely supportive. My grandpa Jack was a jazz drummer. There you go. And then went went off to war and then came back. He was going to go meet his his jazz band in San Francisco. Yeah, but instead married my grandmother and didn't go and meet the band. And then Sydney wasn't a musician, but just a lover of music and Did, my be- probably my best friend that I've ever had. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's sweet, man. Yeah. And that's your mom's dad? Yeah. And what did he do? What was his story? Well, he for, for he was a great, strong businessman uh, for a lot of his life, but when I, he had a massive stroke when I was, I don't know, when I was pretty young. So I yeah. got to know him that way, and then I got to know him... A, a different way but he, yeah. he recovered as yeah. much as possible and rega- I mean they thought they said he was going to be dead for sure regained his speech and everything like that and um so he and I were, were super super tight and uh it's sweet, he man. was uh a, a great friend and also he, a, a philosopher that wouldn't have considered himself a philosopher right. and, and like a poet that wouldn't have considered you know just kind of I wrote a there's a song about it called Song for Sit on the new record and it's just like I understood the words the words he said, even if it was tough to understand the words through the stroke or whatever. Yeah. Man, he would say some poignant shit that was just like, yeah. oh, I know, like you're saying it. Like, what, like do you remember anything? Well, there, there's stuff that I've put into some songs. Like there, there was a time that I was kind of bitching and complaining to yeah. him about, I was upset about a relationship or about something. Yeah. And I was like, Sydney, I'm bummed out about this. And it's like kind of t- taking over my life right now. And then, <laughs> yeah. then I get crazy because i know it's not that bad and there's people out there that are struggling way more than that yeah. and you know then you know i feel like guilty and, and ashamed that i feel bad and he's like sean all you know like your your feeling your pain is valid all all pain feels the same yeah and i thought that that was that was very like to your own uh yeah. in your own reality your sure. pain is is very valid and sure. you shouldn't uh, seep into it so much that you you drown in it or, or, or well I think the become... comparisons are important so you don't fall into self pity exactly but pain is pain pain is pain yeah you know and it does you know it's like you're going through a breakup right now that hurts like um that hurts yeah. an awful lot yeah. and it's like it doesn't necessarily matter that the guy across the street you know just I don't know like chopped <laughs> yeah. off his leg by accident or whatever right. it is it's like that's a different kind of pain, but your sure. pain is real and valid. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the tricky part about pain is is like it's important to to to, to sort of compare it. 
you know, only to know that you can get through it and that, you know, there there are worse things that can happen. Well, it's yeah. certainly good to put p- things into perspective, sure. Now, when he started doing the guitar, like, because I, you know, I know, like, my old man wasn't around and, it, it, you know, he was... At were, all? They were married. No, no, he, oh. they, but he was, you know, emotionally absent. And, mm-hmm. I, and I always have this weird question about that. You know, like, I, because I, I know dudes whose, whose dads were, you know, you know, they were divorced and they were out. But there's like it, it creates a weird kind of uh, hunger for for some sort of guidance okay. somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I might be speculating. I, th- I think you're onto something. Yeah, you know, like it, it's weird because in my life, you know, you look, you find a lot of mentors, you find something, you you feel like there's something about not having a very present father where you're kind of ill-defined and and you kind of want to define yourself. Yeah, and you kind of struggle through it. Well, that's been. <laughs> very uh, perceptive of you my friend <laughs> um, and that that w- that's why I kind of froze when you asked about it because my dad isn't a bad dude he was emotionally a little um, in- incapable I sure think. right and I, I, it's not a fault of his I don't think it's just the way that it was yeah and I have felt like a uh, <laughs> a, a child or a man that that doesn't belong in a lot of places right and and you know and that has been a struggle yet such a beautiful struggle in that it keeps me constantly and i don't know it's just for my dad or yeah, i don't know it's just sure. daddy issues but it's certainly whatever that is that fire that does live in inside of me yeah um keeps me um always kind of searching for right something and right something real and something to sink my teeth into right and there's something about music i mean even me in my my clunky way if i come out here and i just you know lay into the guitar you know, I don't write songs. I'm a little afraid of it, though. For some reason, <laughs> it's great medicine, man. I know, but like, I I don't have confidence. Like, it's not my bag, but I, you know, I can play. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, but it's not it's not my forte. You know, and I would feel like I like it's if I write or or do anything like it would feel like a hobby to me, and and which is not bad. You, you know, but I I, I would <gasps> I would seek some uh, validation. And then I'd have to have people go that. like you know like oh yeah it's that's good it's good yeah <laughs> yeah well why do you think why do you think that we all get up on stages no like, I know I know yeah. but it, like I know I do what I do and I don't want to yeah I wouldn't want to assume that I could do what you do I, I get but you. uh but whatever you know, maybe I'm I'm being too hard on myself but my point is is that you know how that feeling of connectivity that one gets through expressing themselves especially you know with music and and, and putting yourself out in front of people and and also just finding the dynamics of a song. Uh, it's very satisfying. It's very heartwarming, and and I think that's what makes you know artists feel like you know not only grounded, but like that's that's part you know that those are the moments where you're like oh, I can stop searching for this one. Hmm. Yeah, I got this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't think that that's how it goes. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it depends on what you're writing about, yeah. I suppose. I yeah. mean, for me, that one is gonna be re- their, their feelings that. There's like compartments that I hold inside of me where it's like, this is f- my little like anger yeah. chamber. This is my little like happiness. Right. This is my- and so they're you got like chambers. I got some chambers. Oh, good. Yeah, I think that I think that I do. Yeah. And so as I get older, I, tr- I maybe maybe that's totally unhealthy. I don't know. But I feel like they are kind of compartment com- compartmentalized. Well, I mean, I if you t- have uh, access to the chambers, I think it's fine. Music gives me the access to the chambers. OK, I think. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't always feel say it's a song about a heartbreak because yeah. i don't walk around every day feel thank goodness feel heartbroken but if i if i am moved oh, yeah, somehow yeah. i can tap into that plate like that's i have felt it before therefore it is there somehow sure. so I right. can tap yeah, yeah, yeah. um 
So I don't think it's like a, maybe I'm misunderstanding you, but I don't feel like as you write the song or if it is a song that quote unquote works, um, yeah. that it's like a checklist where it's like, all right, I got that. No, no, I just mean that, you know, whatever you're searching for, you know, when something becomes whole, yeah. you, you've delivered something. You, yeah, you, sure. you, you know, like I, you may be on a, you, the search never ends, but you know, you found this. Yeah. I found this in me, you know, and now it's, now it's a thing I can share. Right. Well, that's right? absolutely. And when you, when do you have songs that you can't get through without crying? The one that I guess I'll probably play was, was one that I couldn't get through without crying for a long time. Uh huh. Um, the one from my grandfather, but it was, but I was, I was cool with that. There's another song. Um, called Salvation, which had to do with my breakup. That was a very one of the more honest songs that I've oh, yeah? been able to write. That w- yeah, you're writing that. <laughs> like, let's see the guy cry. Um, but a- as you go on, it is like uh, with with these compartments of feelings. Uh, it just depends on how it hits you that night. So there are times that it still br- will bring me to tears because I f- I feel it so so deeply. There's some shit that I'm going on in my life. There's a song called Past Lives on the record. Where there's a line I ain't dead anymore. I'd never thought about it in a way. There's just stuff that I'm kind of moving through and changing yeah. some behaviors. I'll yeah. say in my life, where all of a sudden I was singing it one night and it hit me like this is that's a cool thing about songs too, man. Is that sometimes what you're writing about in the moment it yeah. becomes something very different when you sing it two years later, five years right. later. Ten. The meanings of the songs can change as you're performing them and as you're tapping into the emotion because without the emotion of this, imagine singing these songs as they as they get old yeah. year after year older. Sure without you have to find some truth in it or else it'll be a total bore to you and the people you're playing it to so you have to tap into what's going on now in your life so you can yeah project that same and also you thing. might you might have love for the song too anyways mm-hmm. you, you, you know what i mean i have to assume because like i was really stunned to find out you know i interviewed niccolo in here and you know he played the beast in me you know mm. and i you know i have a very difficult time accepting that somebody's just uh you know writing a song at a distance like yeah. you know when 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 i hear when i hear the beast in me i know he wrote it for johnny cash but yeah. i knew he wrote it and i'm like well he must have been through some shit and but some guys are just sort of like no nah, i just you know, it's a song i just wrote the song and you know i cuz right. what i do like i lay it all out and i think some people you know lay it all out or they just create the magic. Like there are guys that just write songs. There are guys who write songs for a living. Exactly. And and they're good songs. And I'm fascinated by that. I've always been, as a songwriter, my little journey has been as somebody that was born very much as like a, a feeler. Yeah. You know. And so somehow I had a little bit of a knack for melody and I learned how to play some guitar and so yeah. I started putting songs together. But it was complete, there was no intellectualizing anything. Yeah. It was just uh, kind of like stream of, conscious yeah, yeah. and just getting this, this thing out yeah and as i get older i'm trying to imp- you know editing is good uh at, at some point so some sort of editing yeah so it is to not shut down that the um to unleash the emotion and then kind of uh intellectualize it a little bit and and shape it into a sure a, well you, you a, get you get a better song a, you become a better craftsman right as time goes on right do you remember? But that? I, I don't what? know. I don't. Sorry. Go ahead. I, what I, I was just because I am interested in that as a song. I would love to be able to write from a distance as well. Yeah. Uh, and see what that's all about. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I haven't figured <laughs> I, that out, I but I, I think that that's cool that some people can do that. Well, I find that like with humor. Well, even if I do like jokes that I know like that have some distance. If the, if something is too structured and I can't find much wiggle room in it, like I get bored with it pretty quick. Sure. You know. And even if it goes over, don't you kind of? 
at the end of the show, do you feel a little... Yeah, like I tricked him. Me too. <laughs> yeah? Unless I... Yeah. Unless I really... And that's why I've found, even in my songs live, I love to improvise stuff. Yeah. Because that makes it real and immediate for me then. Yeah. And it's like, I know... And believe me, I use some of the same... I think any performer does. I have some tricks that sure. I know work from night to night or most nights. Um, but unless I can create some kind of immediate realness, I, I feel a little like bummed after the show. Like, eh, all right, well, they all clapped and... Right. I, you know, nobody was pissed. It didn't seem like anybody walked out. But did I kind of... Was it was it special? Because right. I, I need to feel like it's so special. Right, that, that you were present. Yeah. And that something happened that'll never happen again. Right, because if, what, are, what are we doing if it's not that? Well, right, but some guys, are you kidding? They do their act. Are you, they, you know, they're no. not going to get out of step or they might get blown up by the smoke machine or the pyrotechnics. Hey, man, I mean, people get off in all different ways. I get I, it. I, I've, I've seen crazy things on the internet. I need to feel... I need to feel a real thing happen. Yeah, I, for me, the best thing that can happen on stage is I get off and say, that's never going to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Even if it's like weird or even if it's yeah, not... Yeah, uh, unco- awkward, uncomfortable, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. You do that too? I feel like I need that. I do too, but like the weird thing is, is those shows where we don't think it's working, you got to shut your mouth because they don't know. They, you know, they, they can feel things that happen. Yeah. But, you know, what you're looking for and what they're looking for are two different things. So, like, sometimes, you know, you may get off stage and think, like, well, I didn't, I didn't really, you know, have that moment. Right. But they're like, well, we love all those songs. Oh, you know, sure. But I'm, I got to be careful not to be like, you know, eh, yeah, yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, what I used to, if I felt like it was a bad show, and I'm sure yeah. anybody that's performed has this, where uh, people would say, oh, that was a great show afterward yeah. and i would say man you should have seen us last like that shit sucked you should have seen us last week in cleveland that was a great show take the experience away from them. yeah and then yeah. i re- you know i i not quickly not so quickly but it took me a little while to realize that's not cool like yeah. you know allow allow the person to enjoy it sure even if you thought it was truly a horrible experience right but um <laughs> yeah and so, and so now, now I just say thank you regardless. But when you started, uh, that's the best way to go, dude. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, let them project whatever they need. Let the, you let them have what they think you are, and and don't invite them into your. Well, your, if what they think you are was uh, good at your job that night, don't convince them other, otherwise. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. That. Just because you know you're fucking you're crazy, neurotic. Yeah. But uh, all right, so you get the guitar at thirteen. What, what was your, your first teacher like? What kind of drove you at that time? So, yeah, maybe it's a common story. There was a broken guitar in the house. <clears throat> I right. had never... Pi- what yeah, kind? You remember? No, I think it might have been a no-name guitar. It was a it, somebody that had worked for my mother at... Uh, Darshan was her name. Yeah. And she worked for my mother at the cheese shop mm-hmm. and gave my mother this uh, broken guitar. Yeah. And I wasn't... I didn't take to school. I wasn't good at that time as a, as a student in, in, in any way. And I Were you a d- problem? Yeah, a little bit. So your mother was concerned. Concerned. What was your problem? Well, I didn't think I had a problem. Well, you weren't uh, doing something. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't connect or or have a. I didn't respect or connect with the authority figures that were around sure. me. Um, I didn't get along well with the other students. I wasn't a very good team player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and to this day, I don't. It's not just like. Yeah, I guess so. I'm a little immature. Like I don't want to. If you say sit, yeah, Sean, sit. Yeah, I I think I'll find a few reasons why I don't want to. Like why why do I have to sit? Yeah, for well, I think one of them would be like, who the fuck are you to tell me to sit? Right. I'm not a dog. Right. Yeah, but I get what you're saying. And that's what <laughs> that's what school. And also the kind of school that I went to until I was taken out of that school and put into like an arts, you know, yeah. hippie school, which was the best thing that happened to me at the time. Saved, saved my ass in a lot of ways. 
um, there was no there's a real problem in 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 our school system in my opinion for a lot of them but one for somebody like myself is that there is at least in the one that I went to there was no um understanding of other types of intelligence so sure if you i'm not talking about ufos exactly i'm talking about no, i know what you're saying if you you're right like i'm they a, got it they got a curriculum they got so a if curriculum. you've got if you're bright and you, if, but you gotta you beat your go to beat your own drummer you're like well he's not he's not in the that's curriculum. right yeah and and instead of instead of there being anything outside of the box you were put into different programs and and sort of made to think that you're you're dumb and if i didn't ha- you know i can understand how a lot of kids get off into a bad bad place and you yeah. know, thankfully i came from a family that could take me out of this school when i was they were finally like all right this is enough yeah you, you, you know um and then go to this little hippie private school was there an incident there were many incidences what, but what, was, how did it how did you act out what was it did uh, you fight yeah yeah you know yeah. i never won any of them you know <laughs> emotionally or physically <laughs> never won I, I i did uh bum rush a kid once i was terrible and i guess i physically i won that but it, was, it wasn't fair yeah but he was a dick yeah <laughs> And uh, and so that was you know people talk a lot about the fr- the freedom that they felt when they were a kid and and uh, I I kind of hated being a kid and I I enjoy getting older and yeah. I find so much more freedom in in being a grown up being a man um, so it was, what, I felt very very uh, suffocated sure <laughs> as a kid it's frustrating it's frustrating because like people either think you're you're a problem or you're you're not motivated yeah but you're just paralyzed with some sort of boredom and that's and- what it was and i and i always felt that there was it's, it's some of my earliest memories of just feeling like i wanted to make like that there was something positive and something in in me that had to come out um other than poo yeah and that was to make something and i didn't know what that was because i didn't have a guitar right and i didn't so what were you trying first well, I think that's what it was, is that it was coming out, but in, in ways that was getting me in trouble. It was, sure. it was coming out in class because I was acting, at, you know, yeah. acting out and smart ass. being a smartass. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, because like, you know, just going back to the dad thing, is that like when you don't have that, when you don't have any, like, I don't know what your parents were like. They sounded like good parents, but I didn't grow up with a lot of discipline or, you know, there was a- there was I did, a, though. You did? I mean, a fair amount. Yeah. My mom definitely did the, the best she could to- Oh yeah, to whip some ass when she had to. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, and and don't forget about Jack and Sid. Yeah, <laughs> right. you know, the, <laughs> I had those guys around too. Yeah, there was, but I don't think it it couldn't be controlled because it was. I so felt. Um, it sounds dramatic, and it is, but I so felt caged yeah. that I was constantly. Um, you know trying to break break through any way that i could and right. I, and until i then i started to do some art classes and that was that was a wonderful thing then i started to do like or you theater paint oh you did some paint any, drawing the, at, whatever. when i was a kid anything that right. was somewhat creative and theater was, like, was good this is my this yeah, is my yeah. thing yeah yeah great theater was great but i wasn't again i wasn't a very i wasn't good at listening to the music was so great because then i could write my own stuff i wasn't reading right you know i could i could express it was some release for this sure crazy thing that's so when inside. you when you got the guitar you got a teacher well the way that i learned how to play guitar was my cousin david that was not the the teacher at the guitar center or whatever yeah. was the comparison back then um was teaching me like aerosmith licks yeah and i wasn't a big aerosmith fan i'm yeah. i like aerosmith a little bit more now yeah but i couldn't i couldn't hit those licks and i wasn't very inspired so i sucked at that yeah and then david my cousin was in a band who i loved and I used to like a punk rock band. I used to go down the shore 
uh, they lived in Margate, close to Atlantic City, and I would watch him play, and it was so great. And so we what were was big the band. Uh, that well, there was one called Midget Love. Yeah, and uh, oh, f- hopefully by the time this is done, I could think of, there was a couple different ones that uh, he was in. That did were, he ever break? No, I mean yeah. around uh, around like Atlantic City area, they yeah. they they had some great shows. Yeah, um, but no, and he he didn't. He still plays. Yeah, um, and and he's a badass. Uh, but he, he doesn't do it professionally. I don't think that he wants to. Um, but he taught me, we were really big Nirvana fans, and he taught me Polly. Yeah. Taught me a couple Nirvana songs. When you were 13? 13 or 14, yeah. something like that. And so that's how I learned, because I loved it so much, man. So I just sat and played Polly over and over again. And I don't know that I played it well. Right. But to me, it was so cool. Yeah. And I, I was, you know. So I, I finally got those chords, and yeah. then very, nat- very, um, I guess, naturally, it occurred to me to you know change the chords around into my own little you know songs based on the chords to to, to polly and that, so your cousin was a guy he was the the older guy that was like that's the guy he's the to, cool guy growing up i looked very much up to um my older cousin david yeah and uh my older cousin noah yeah and they were huge in my life they were they were big music and art yeah lovers and and they um and they had like real kind of like punk rock like I don't know, they were they were fr- like beautiful freaks, and yeah. and and they until I until I could find some people because I couldn't find people like that in school, you yeah. know. Until I got you know later on in high school a little bit, and then when I went to college in New York, then I was like, holy shit! For the first time, I had my, a community of friends because I found other freaks. Yeah. But Noah and David were like a little bit, you know, like that. So I had some. So you knew they were out there. They were out there, yeah. and and yeah. they knew I was, and they were like, "Come, come here! I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you this." Yeah. You know, David taught me, Nirv- Nir- you know, Nirvana songs and and uh, you know, lesser known like punk rock stuff. And Noel was taking me to art museums in in um, in New York and setting me up in Washington Square Park to play songs and and listening to my cassette tapes and like really digging it. Yeah, and playing me like Butthole Surfers for my bar for my bar mitzvah. Noah got me Butthole Surfers, Pavement, and. Uh, Nirvana and Utero, and used to play me, uh, sit me down in front of the TV and play uh, Bob Dylan, Don't Look Back. That if you ever yeah. seen it. And I watched that way too many times. I had to like so stop. That's, that's a pretty good uh, a good combination of things. Yeah, yeah, it was a great combination of things. Pavement, Nirvana, Butthole Surfers, and Bob Dylan's Don't Look Back. Yeah. It's all you need, kind of. And so, yeah, that was... So that blew your mind. It blew my mind, and I, in some way, I don't think this is like overly romanticizing. Now, I felt okay like i felt safety in that sure you know yeah in that in that um and that there were people that that got it yeah and music it keeps doing that for you you know like there you're never going to know all the music like i just recently started getting into harry nelson and i'm like great great thing to start getting into man right that's a deep well that you're how did i miss that i got that there's a box right there but i got some vinyl in the house and like it's just like that you know the where I watched the documentary, but like after I started getting into him, yeah. But like the the depth of of sadness and yep. the, the well of that voice. I mean, what the fuck? One of the greatest voice. You know, that was John Lennon's. He said he's the best uh, American singer. Singer and yeah, yeah. And um, then he subsequently helped him destroy his voice on yeah. that album they did yeah. together. <laughs> but he's incredible. And in fact, I just had my friend Kenny Siegel, who yeah. produced our last record, just did a Nielsen tribute record that I sang on. So I'll oh, sing really? Too. What'd you sing? But, um, early in the morning. Uh, great that's one. A great song. Great one. Yeah. Are you a fan of Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, big fan. Really? Have you always been? 
I have I've always had a deep respect for for Springsteen and and liked like the radio hits, but um, we had a, a, a experience where he came to a show and got to meet him, and after meeting the man, um, became way more interested in <laughs> in his music. Well, uh, he did. Well, he did a folk thing. That's why I was bringing him up. Like he did. You know, he decided later in his career to to sort of. You know, there was the those... started that way too. Really, that's true. Like yeah. I have those demos, and it's like it, it's it, it sounds like a little like what you do. Even do you know what I mean? Like they were just raw and real, and you know the poetry. But wait, yeah, I don't... those records th- are great. And yeah, uh, Nebraska and Atlanta. Oh yeah, City yeah. In the t- in the t- the Tom Joad record and the uh, the what was it the Seeger set the PT mm-hmm. that thing was crazy. Right, so I wait. came up more on like bo- bo- which I love now. Sure, and, and after this experience. I loved even more because the guy was so like you, you hear a lot of well if you are told them or or ask them yeah. you hear stories about the guy being just the coolest dude and he turns out that he's like the coolest so dude. he was just at a show and you went backstage and there's bruce so this is one of the cooler um experiences that we've had i've been touring for like 10 years and this day this yeah. whole day yeah. was incredible so what happened is and i'll try not to ramble too much what happened was I think it was the last show on this tour that we were doing. And yeah. it was at this little bar on the beach uh, in Asbury Park. Of course, by Asbury yeah. Park. Not the, not the white, what was it, the, the white horse? Or what was the, the one you used Stone to play? Pony. Stone no, Pony. No, 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 it wasn't. It was like yeah. a, small, a smaller spot. Yeah. Um, and so we're playing, we're playing this little place. Uh, like I said, I think it's like the last show on the tour. Yeah. Everybody's a little tired. We get to the venue and uh, it's close enough that that my mom was going to drive out to the show. Yeah. So I walk across the street. My mom's a huge like Barbara Streisand, uh, Bette Midler, Liza yeah. Minnelli fan. Right. So I walk across the street and I see that Liza Minnelli happens to be playing at the big theater across the street from this little bar that we're playing at. Right. And it turns out that it's the same people putting on the show. Right. So I asked the people that were running our show, could they get my mother in? to the Liza to show. see Liza that, that it, it would sure. be thrilling for my mom yeah. and she was coming with Mrs. Galleon the same woman she ran the Jamie Town <laughs> cheese shop with yeah. they were coming so they said of course man of course absolutely no problem so they put her on the list I called my mom I was like How, how's your day going she said it's going really shitty I said leave work early come down to the beach I got you tickets to see Liza uh-huh. and she goes because my son is Langhorn Slim I get to see Liza I'm on the list I was like I guess so I guess we're, we're doing this little show and Liza's playing across the street so yeah I get. I guess you could look at it that way but she's like alright we're. Le- I'm leaving work early we're coming down we're coming to Jersey we're gonna see Liza so she was psyched they go and see Liza um, while they're in the first like the first act before intermission yeah. I'm in getting set up and I go and use the, the bathroom and I come out and our tour manager and dear friend at the time Mia Yeah. Um, I come out and I see she's like totally looks totally white and like freaked yeah and i go mia are you cool and she's like dude the boss is at the bar <laughs> and even though i was in asbury park like i just thought she meant like the boss of the bar. like right. i looked and I, I just saw like some people sitting there yeah. i was like okay cool so what's up and she goes the boss is sitting at the bar and i was like mia what the fuck what's the what's the deal she's like bruce springsteen's at the bar and i think i think he's like here to see you guys so this was before sound check i don't know if he like comes and lets his presence be like feels it out or maybe just lets it was a small place so does he live by there still yeah yeah yeah. or at least he has got a house you know right so i was like oh my goodness wow bruce springsteen's sitting at the bar okay um and so 
people start talking and so it turns out we we get word that in fact he was interested in in maybe coming to the show or at least like meet, meeting us or whatever yeah. um and it turns out i think his his kids are just like really big fans of a lot of this kind of music that's right. going on now and so he's in tune with it or he's yeah. in tune with it on his own i don't really know how it all went down but anyway um I'm introduced to somebody comes up to me and says, "Would you like to meet Bruce?" And I'm like, ah, "I would love to, but I don't want to." Buy. Like I'm the last guy that wants to. If I yeah. saw you and recognize, I know you a little bit, yeah. and I, right. I would feel weird. Right? Come, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, hey, "I don't want to bother." Said, "I think you guys should meet." So we're introduced as like the guy that like runs the the show that night. He, he's like, uh, "Let me introduce you to Bonnaroo, Bonnaroo uh, veterans, like this festival Bonnaroo," which I thought was a funny way right. to introduce Bruce Springsteen and I together. It was like yeah. two Bonnaroo veterans. So I was like, "Hey, how's it going?" Um, my mother happens to be there. She th- apparently Liza wasn't having a great set, so she leaves the that show and comes over and is like, "Bruce, fucking Bruce Springsteen, that's like the gra- craziest day. You get me into the Liza show, and now Bruce." And so Springsteen was talking to my mom and I about how like the artists and the gays are revitalizing uh, Asbury Park, and it's such a beautiful job that they're doing. And he offers my mom like a shot of tequila. My mom turns him down. Then later was like, I can't believe I turned down Springsteen. <laughs> so um, he was just incredible to the band. He talked to the guys in the band, and just uh-huh. was amazingly cool and everything. Um, and toward the end of the conversation, it was Jeff Ratner who plays bass, and my mom and I talking to him. He's like, man, I'm gonna try to come back for the show, but I got the, you know, the wife's away. I got the kids. Yeah, so I'm gonna try to come back. And my bass player Jeff says, well, in case you can't make it back, uh, we'll give you some CDs. And he, and Springsteen goes, actually, I buy, you know, I, I prefer to buy all my music. And he goes, and I've got a few of yours already. And I was like, that's amazing, man. I got a few years too. So <laughs> he he goes, and we're just like, holy crap, that was that was pretty wild. Yeah. Um, and uh and lo and behold the the opener goes on and is yeah. playing and then uh people come running up to me and go bruce is back and he's here to see you guys <laughs> so spring and it's like this little place and of course all of a sudden we're the coolest band in asbury yeah. park by right. far that night yeah so the place is just like totally packed at that point out the door and springsteen is there and uh, the whole set just in the crowd grooving and apparently i didn't hear it myself obviously because i'm on stage but apparently he was by my mom at one point and just being cool with my mom and Mrs. Galleon. Yeah. And somebody came up to to Bruce and was like, hey man, can I have an autograph or take a picture? Yeah. And I don't know if this is 100% true, but it's what I heard. Springsteen goes, man, not tonight. Tonight's Langhorns night, but I'll introduce you to his mom. <laughs> and he introduced this like fan to my mom. And it was, yeah, it was just incredible. So he, he came up after the show and, and uh, said he really dug the set. In fact, he was like, come by. He complimented the, the band and, yeah. and the show. He was like, man, come by any time. And to this day, I wish I would have been like, where do I go? <laughs> yeah. It's like I got an invitation to come by any time, but I don't know where to oh, go. Oh, shit. But yeah, that was, that was, that was a, crazy, a crazy thing. And, and of course, you know, I had always really liked his music, but I, I, after that experience, and the guy's so cool. Um, That's a Bruce, great I'd story. love to come by any time. <laughs> That's a great story. I'd like to come by too, Bruce. Yeah, I was over. <laughs> we'll both come over. <laughs> so, all right, so when did you decide on to, to stick with you know, like you obviously made a decision at some point. You know, you were attached to the guitar, you, but you were playing songs that were, you know, be you, constructed by fairly heavy bands. But you decided to go this more organic route in a way. Yeah, I don't know that it was a decision. Um, I think that it 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 is music to me that is all very much the same. Like right. it comes from a very similar place. 
So I think the reason that I play more of like an acoustic or folk kind of a style is because I didn't have a band to plug in with back then or something. And right. so because I was a little bit of a lo- little bit of a loner, I guess, and I was discovering the stuff in that way yeah. when I first heard like some of those blues guys like Lead Belly or when When did you I hear got- those guys? pretty early because Kurt Cobain was talking about like oh like, so you went that way and so yeah. you know anything that I was reading about him and then um and and looking into that stuff and, and I realized that you could you could do punk rock music with an acoustic guitar and sure. so you know you could Billy Bragg said the same thing yeah well you know he and I might have very similar yeah you know similar tastes that was a very powerful thing to me was to hear a guy or a girl with a, a guitar or piano yeah. and just in, even in a quiet way, yeah. you could impact the soul pretty oh, deeply, yeah. oh, you know? Oh, yeah. So I realized that that was possible. I didn't need to... And I fantasized so much about having this, like, band of brothers, which now I have. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, at the time I didn't. So it was it yes. was a way to to, to have a release it's just, that it's was... It's just funny that, you know, like... And this gets back to, you know, just me, you know, um, sort of relating to you... That, you know, and, and I think it's this father thing again, is that, you know, without the presence in your life, you know, you find these people and we're just lucky, you know, and if you gravitate towards art or the freaks because you feel out of place, yeah. and I did too, you just got to thank God or whatever you believe in that, you know, these people come into and, your life. And I do. And I've had these guardian angels appear throughout my my life. You yeah. know, they're, they're, I, there's quite a number of them yeah and it's such a beautiful thing and i'm so lucky and you're so lucky because when i you know when i when i have had some friends that wind up in trouble or yeah. hear about this person that winds up in in jail or just miserable with their lives and f- fell into this or that I'm like if i didn't have this thing without a doubt right i you know without a doubt i would be in a sh- i'd be in a bad <laughs> place man yeah i'd be in a bad place do you ever sing a song about that I think they're all kind of about it in some way. I don't know, but um, it's just there's something funny about the idea that if if I if I didn't have this guitar, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think it's true for a lot of artists, for a I lot do, of musicians. Okay. Well, they'd be, and a lot of us do get in trouble. Yes, uh, they'd either be in trouble with you know in a real way or in trouble just mentally. Yeah, we, we, I mean, there's that constant combat, you know, with yep. that. Yeah, you, know, you certainly see that in Nielsen, and yep. you can see it in like you know I was talking to Josh Homme in here. And, you know, he, you know, he said that, you know, when he went through his ordeal, that the the horrible thing is, you know, he died on the, you know, on the operating table. And when he came out of it, that the music that he played at in his head was gone. Wow. Well, yeah, like that, whatever that was, you know, whatever that struggle was, whatever that, you know, that thing coming within him that, you know, he worked with and against at the same time, shut down. And that was the darkest time of his life. How did he get through that? Well, it took him a while, and you know he just slowly, after a couple of years of darkness, you know, started playing again. Wow, that's incredible. It reminds me, but it's a little bit the opposite of my grandfather Sid. Yeah, when he had his ma- this massive stroke, and yeah. he came out of it, I asked him how because he was a very strong guy, yeah. and everything was sort of stripped away. And I asked him years later, you know how how did you get through it? How did you get the you know the strength? And he was like, "Well, I couldn't speak, I couldn't, I couldn't move really, but I, I could hear music in my head, and I would, I could whistle a little bit, and that's, that's what kind of got him through." See, that's the thing about music that's different than anything else is that you know all you need is a melody, yeah, and and no one's going to take the magic away from that. You, you, you know what I mean? No, it, 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 it and it keeps giving. It keeps giving, it, and 
that's why we turn to music so much in in dark times yeah. and um it's a great compliment that when i meet people at the shows that 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 i get from time to time is maybe my music lends itself to that i don't know but people often are just like man i went through some really dark shit this year and <laughs> yeah. you helped and i get to hear a lot of stories you know which is like i, yeah. I would love it. it was like man i had a beautiful it was such a lovely sunday that i had and i put on some of your tunes and it was yeah. even lovelier me and my chick fuck to your songs all yeah, the was, time i never hear that <laughs> i gotta start 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 writing yeah. some different kinds of tunes but uh but yeah, yeah, music is uh it's it's sounds kind of corny, but it is definitely a gift that keeps uh keeps giving. And keeps people it keeps people connected to something. Now I I I get that a little too with this show just by what we talk about here where people are like I was going through some shit and yeah. you know you were there for me and I'm like I I, I couldn't have ever planned that. But it's not something and I and I wouldn't have planned this yep. either because and without sounding f- uh full of our if we're if if we have a talent you know, and there might be different talents, but you're doing it. You're doing something real. You're, yeah, you're being yourself there, right. and and right. You know, th- I don't have. This is an interview. This is a conversation right. to two dudes. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, that's, it's real shit. Yeah, and so people. That's what people really want is yeah. real stuff. Yeah, so and, and, that's what people connect. Well, with, I, think I think so, and I, I'm not sure that they 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 necessarily know that, but they feel it. It's like that thing we were talking about about being on stage in that moment. Yeah, is that. There, there's so much sort of distraction. There's so much sort of calculated kind of uh, output. Sure. You know, that, that it's a very passive relationship. Yeah. And sometimes, like, sadly, you know, most people only know real things when, when shit is going wrong. Yeah, you know when absolutely. The, when the speed changes, like that, like that, that second or two that you know you're going to hit that other car, right? And everything's like converges. I'm like, oh shit! Like there, like when something is off, that's when people know authenticity, and that's a that's a, a horrible, sad thing. Well, maybe that's something a little off on our, in our society right now. It's off everywhere. You, yeah. you, everyone's in their own head too, and everyone's worried about their own shit. Yeah, and everybody's afraid to to sort of release it because they don't know how, and they they can't in the situation they're in until something like just blows up. So I think music, like it worked for you, to to sort of focus that. For it, sure. it serves that purpose for other people. They can turn you know let off a little steam for sure. Feel which comforted. is why people tune into your show probably yeah. which is why maybe people come to my show is to be we're all just dirty animals when it comes down to it everybody <laughs> wants everybody's got a freak inside yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think that that is where we're most at home is to be these weirdos and everybody i think we're so scared to about what people think and yeah. to do this or to do that when we're a bunch of freaks running around if we could let ourselves open that up a little bit more be proud freaks i think if we could be proud beautiful freaks we would be happier yeah definitely. i really think so we'd be more content be less anxiety ridden yeah it's it's tough to tap into that and also though the the taxing part of it you know is that you know is is when you offer that much of yourself out there and you and and i think you know it sometimes it's a, there's a real risk to it. You know, it's not just a risk of like a you know a, a song you, you're not not killing or 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 a story or whatever. But you know, to 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 be an artistic person and, and really feel like you know like you know, I'm I'm putting my heart out there. Yeah. And you know, it, it, I could get hurt. <laughs> you know, or I might not be able to handle it. Yeah. It's uh it's heavy, but I mean, it's what else you can do. I feel like. Opening yourself up to be vulnerable um, artistically is 
is uh, almost like your duty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and is, I think, like when I was going through my breakup, I had this record to make right as it was happening. Right. And it was, I don't know, people that don't have something to put these Which feelings record? into. This last record. Oh, really? The Way We Move record. Yeah. Came out. It's great. Thank you, man. I enjoyed it. Thanks. Was this your fourth record? This is the fourth full length. Yeah. And I had this to wake up with with my best friends in this house that yeah. was in, that's in upstate New York, you know, and and to put all this emotion and feeling and yeah, vulnerability. So you did the whole uh, band Dylan thing. You got a house upstate and just yeah. laid it out. Yeah, yeah, which is the way that I would always want to do records. Yeah, I think for now on it was it was a beautiful experience. But I would like ride around in the van, um, listening to some Brazilian psychedelic music that I was getting into at the time, and cry and just like yell and talk to myself and. Look, look around and see the people were like, man, this guy's crazy. Yeah. And I felt a little unhinged. And then I would come back into the house and we would start working. And it was so great. And it all kind of can't. So being open to those uh, feelings and then putting it into the, to the music or to whatever the thing is. And also is. trusting the cats you're working with. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, tell me about that process. That sounds interesting. So you rented a house. That had a studio, or oh, how did well, it work? So it's our our good friend Kenny Siegel's house. Yeah. It wasn't a friend at the time; we didn't know. Him, but he, yeah. we were looking for sort of rural uh, retreat, I suppose. A, yeah. Uh, a um, like a home studio. We didn't want to do more of a traditional recording studio where we check yeah. in and out. Yeah. Um, but that we would live together for a week or two weeks um, and record. Yeah. Which was in like the living room of of yeah. this great um, old house. Uh huh. Um, and you lived together. Yeah, we all stayed in the house together. I guess, I don't know if it was a week and a half or two weeks. Okay. And did about 27 songs in that time. I picked, I think there's 13 or 14 for the for the record. But yeah. Did you for, played most of it in, in, in unison? Was there overdubbing or you just like you did it as For the first crew? time it was it was pretty much all live. Uh-huh. With, there's some songs with some horns. Yeah. David, who plays keyboard, also plays banjo on it. So obviously, he wasn't doing that at the yeah, same time. So right. There was some overdubbing, but it was all all the basic songs, and I was singing all live, uh-huh. which was the first time that we ever did that, um, that I'd ever done that, uh-huh. and it by far is the best. It's it was the best recording experience that I had. You know, that's great, it. man. Yeah. And when you say you're going to start working on, so I mean, what, what's your process with that? <laughs> to uh, just carry a notebook around and. Wait till it hits you. Exactly. It's pretty much. It's pretty much like that. <laughs> to be available for the spirit when it moves me. I I, I so understand that man. I was, I was on stage the other night and I had one of the best sets of comedy. I did an hour and and it was like the best set I've had in years. And it was just for one audience. And thank God they. You know, it's one of those things where I've got every pot. I got this machine here. I could take with me. I could record myself every night. But I I don't to do it because there's some part of me that don't want to do it well is it a for me there's a fear thing like if i if i set up if i if i set up a machine to record myself i feel like it's going to suck you can be self-conscious right it's a a superstition it's It's a superstition which i'm full of and i'm working on that but then there are sometimes where it's just like there's something that's channeled like it's not me thinking i don't even exactly it just moves through you right it moves through you like things were delivered and that's i'm always i'm always been very aware of that yeah like you know i have bits that are funny enough the way they are but i know like i'm waiting for something i'm waiting for the tag you know it hasn't come yet right and you know, a couple of those things happen, and I'm like, oh, this is... And it doesn't even matter whether I'm going to use it again or not. You, you know yeah. what I mean? It was like, it just where'd that come from? Don't know. Don't that, know. 
I don't know, and I don't think anybody knows, but I think any of us that make things uh, should just be happy for when they come. Why? But I do think I I question that sort of the weird superstition of setting a machine up because I think. Be, uh, and I, I'm always speaking for myself, but I know that my superstition is sort of relative to you know how I how I've sort of like uh, you know mystified or or ritualized my inability to fully accept how insecure I am. Yeah, you, you, you know you know what I mean. It's like on some level, it's like to be a responsible artist. It's like well, you might as well just record it. What what for the fuck of it? Right. Not for any reason. Just, and even if you don't even listen right, well, there's to that it insecurity again. where it's like, well, I'm recording this in hopes for some sort of breakthrough, some sort of greatness. So you fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then it's like, geez, who the fuck do I think I am? I'm not going to set this up in hopes for greatness. Like, right, and right. then maybe there's some sort of glimpse of greatness that comes out. Or You're just like, fuck, I should have yeah, recorded it. That, that would have been beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I would have had my next my next record. Yeah. Live yeah. Record. Oh, well. So great. Oh, well. But, but then there's that thing that we seem to like, which is that, well, that was only for that moment. And, and that's amazing. Yeah. And I like and hate the fact that everybody has machines in their pockets now that can record everything that yeah, we're all yeah, doing at all yeah. times. Like to play for an audience with cell phones up taking pictures and recording sucks. I will yeah. say it's a bummer and it's distracting. However, if you have those, if those you have great moment, nights, you're like, I hope someone got that. Absolutely, man. <laughs> I do. Absolutely. I don't see, I don't get enough of that. Like, I'm not one of those comics where people are like, I'm going to fucking steal the, you know, I'm going to put this up on YouTube. But there have been moments like, nobody, nobody well, recorded. Maybe it's more of a concert thing yeah. than it is a comedy thing. I don't but know. But have you ever reached out and said, did anyone get. Uh, I haven't, but I've, but there's definitely, like, even, like bringing my mom on stage for that, sure. for that show, I was like, I can't believe I didn't like set that up, but I, of course I was like. My mom was like, "I don't, I don't think we should do." Even before it wasn't that planned, and that's why it was. That's why it was good because there was nervousness. Did anyone get it? Yeah, thankfully. But I think that's why you know it, if you're setting something up, recording right. it, it's almost like you have it planned out, right? You know, right. You're, you're if you're and when you're so confident right. that you've got it structured, it you're not you're not leaving cracks for right. The right. Magic you you, you get your brains in that, right? Right. And but also oddly, sometimes those things that you know that moved us or, or, or you know were significant to us on stage sometimes when you listen to me you're like no it wasn't yeah. that's true <laughs> you know and sometimes that? when you feel like you had terrible shitty nights Great. you listen back to it and you're like actually that that was pretty good and yeah. you know what you know when that happens you're fucking professional there you go <laughs> that <laughs> word freaks me out a little bit but yeah but you know what I'm saying it's yeah, like I, I thought we weren't in it but yeah, you know, yeah. When we Man, up, even when we suck we're yeah we're yeah. at least meeting. Yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah, yeah we, we do. All right, it's our job. Right. Are oh, you want to play some songs? Yeah, for sure, man. Okay. Ready? Taking so long, so long to be the measure of the man I hoped I would be. I take a step forward, I take two steps back. I can't help but be bored, less I'm on the attack, and attacking's alright. hill where the blue 
trees grow with time to kill I started to fall and it got hard to breathe it got hard to relax it's hard to face yourself when you're still busy looking back and attacking's alright Understand My love Please understand We're alone In this world Doing all we can To find somebody To love and hold With a good warm heart Oh, honey, please Try and understand It's time to love your man I met a blonde girl she took me into her bed I wanted a body She wanted me dead On a cool summer evening I woke from a dream And I was scared of something that was Inside of me Awesome. Cool. Feel all right? Yeah. Good. Which one was that? That was... <clears throat> That's called On the Attack. You want to do a um, song for Sid? Sure. began to move 
I understood the words he said He understood mine too I watched Sid suffer I saw Sid strong And tell me where do the great ones go When they're gone But it was time to run I love that old man I wrote him this song And tell me where do the great ones go When they're gone Thanks, man. Thank you. I appreciate you coming by. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. What's your real name? Sean. Sean what? Sean Clark Skolnick. 
Nice. But all names are made up, my friend. <laughs> all right, buddy. That's our show. Thank you for listening. I am Mark Marin. Do I need to remind you of that? I am Mark Marin. You can go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. I got some merch there. I got some other stuff. You can leave a comment. You can get the app, the free app, upgrade to the premium, get all that fun premium content with some of the new stuff that we're putting up there. My partner uh, and producer, Brendan, and I did some discussing of uh, what we think are the deeper tracks that people might not listen to and why you should and a little more of me. If you want some more of me, that's there. You know, do that business. You can get you can get just coffee.coop at WTFpod.com. LaFonda seems okay. I took the cone off her head, as you know. She's not scratching at her stitches. So I'm, I, I rolled the dice in, in a good way. Um, I feel okay. I feel okay. I, I don't know if it's because I'm finally relaxed after the shoot or if it's a slight shift in my brain chemistry that is temporary. It'll probably pass. Why Why even deconstruct it? Why not just let it be? My heart is soaring a bit. That's what I will tell you. Okay? I will also tell you that Boomer lives!